Welcome back to another episode of You the Mother podcast by Abby Williams, a space dedicated to supporting, empowering, and connecting all parents in all seasons of parenthood. You can find more supportive content over on Instagram at You the Mother. And be sure to check out youthemother.com where you can reach out to work with me one on one or sign up for my group coaching. I'm so excited to be welcoming on Jessica Persini today to talk about emotional eating. Jessica is a woman on a mission. As the founder and leader of Escape from Emotional Eating since 2011, she has been helping women who strive for excellence heal the roots of their emotional eating so they can embody their full potential. She created Escape from Emotional Eating, a unique process grounded in a decade of research, a background in psychology of eating, and transformational coaching methods, but it's her own personal emotional eating journey and experience that makes her work stand out from the rest. Frustrated that 932 hours in therapy never helped her end her fight with food and Overeaters Anonymous never being the place she could call home, She never gave up and never lost hope. Determined to find a way to truly be free from emotional eating so she could have peace, freedom, and joy in her body, mind, and soul she had always longed for. Jessica knew there needed to be a different kind of support, one that got to the roots of emotional eating. Finally, free from her old self-destructive cycles of food, Jessica pairs her personal experience with her professional expertise to help other high-striving women get to the roots of their emotional eating through her year-long programs, retreats, keynotes, and workshops. As a sought-after thought leader, Jessica's work has received multiple awards year after year from the Institute of Psychology of Eating and has been featured in noteworthy media outlets such as ABC, CBS, and MindBody Green. You can find Jessica over on Instagram at Jess Persini, and you can find her on YouTube, Jessica Persini. She also has the free Four Roots of Emotional Eating Clarity Quiz and Starter Kit. I will be linking all of those in the description of this podcast, so make sure you go give Jessica a follow and go check out her work. I hope that you enjoy this week's episode, and if you do, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. Your support here on the podcast always means the world to me, and I so appreciate you being here. So let's get started in supporting you, the mother. Jessica, welcome to You, the Mother podcast. I am so excited that you are here joining me to talk about escaping from some of this emotional eating. Um, I know for so many of the women that I work with, they struggle with using food to cope um, during hard seasons of motherhood, um, the estrangement stuff that I talk about, some of our healing journey. And I just want to say, if that is you, you are not alone, and we're going to talk about it today. So Jessica, thank you for being a support piece for those women who are navigating some of these issues and providing insight and healing over on the other side. Jessica, can you tell my listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes. Well, first of all, I'm so excited to be here. Um Talking about, educating about, and supporting with emotional eating is literally my life's work. So I am just always overjoyed to be able to share the love and support. But I'm Jessica Persini. I'm the founder and leader of Escape from Emotional Eating. 
Since 2011, I have been helping women who strive for excellence heal the roots of their emotional eating Mm -hmm. so they can embody their full potential. And like I said, I've been doing this work for a little over 12 years now. Um, And I really came to this work Uh, having been an emotional eater myself and not knowing it for many, many years. Um, So I used to have this thing with granola. It was a seemingly healthy food. But when I would eat it, I would go through a bag in a matter of seconds. And it was like I would wake up from this food trance and be like, look over my shoulder and be like, who ate all my food and what just happened. (laughs) Um, But the truth is it wasn't just with granola. It was happening with other foods as well. And I started to notice that when I felt overwhelmed or anxious, stressed, or just scared, um, I would turn to food. And over time, I really dove into the health and wellness world. I um, became a certified health counselor. I was teaching fitness classes full-time. So this was like my full-time job. But what a lot of people didn't know, particularly from looking at me from the outside, was how much I really was not at peace in my relationship with food. Um. And I saw all sorts of professionals. I had been in therapy for years and years, and nobody said, hey, Jessica, I think you're using food to cope, and I think this is unhealthy, and I think you need to really look at it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really wish somebody did say that to me or that even came into kind of my world because it would have shortcutted my healing Mm -hmm. by literally years. So instead, I didn't know I was an emotional eater because I didn't have hundreds of pounds to lose. I knew so much about nutrition and wellness Mm -hmm. that I just really stayed trapped in the emotional eating cycle Mm -hmm. and kind of wondering like, why can't I get it together? Like, what's wrong with me? Why does this always happen? Like, here we go again. and just really wasting um, precious time and energy. So fast forward to discovering that I was an emotional eater and really, first of all, accepting that because I did go through a period of denial of being like, but I don't have hundreds of pounds to lose. And you'll never see me on those crazy TV shows like my 600 pound life, like I'm successful, like what's going on? Um, so even coming to accept and acknowledge like, yeah, we are not in alignment in our relationship with food. Mm -hmm. Um, so now I need to do something about it. And that's when I started to look around for support and I really wasn't finding support for people like me. Um, I was finding support for people with extreme eating disorders and, you know, they could go to an eating disorder clinic, but that wasn't my experience. That wasn't my case. And then I kind of looked to Overeaters Anonymous and it just, that didn't feel like 
um, a match or a fit for me. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of left cobbling together um, the pieces and support and even doing a real deep dive into my relationship with food, um, looking at every single nook and cranny. And what I discovered really shocked me because it wasn't something that I learned in school. It wasn't something I was learning from the health and wellness world. It really came from my own experience. Mm -hmm. Um, So fast forward some more. Uh, I think it's been like eight years since I have emotionally eaten or used food in a really unhealthy or compulsive way. Um, I have a peaceful, supportive relationship with food where we are partners, we're teammates, food supports me and I support food. Um, And I eat when I'm hungry, I stop when I'm full and I move on. And From that, I've been able to channel a lot of the energy that was wrapped up in my unhealthy relationship with food to these other areas of my life, like building a business and a mission I love, Mm -hmm. you know, having a healthy marriage, building a life that really is in alignment with me. Um, Back when I was emotionally eating, I didn't really feel like I was really living. I just felt like, quite honestly, I was slowly dying. Um, But now I just really feel alive. And I know there are other people out there who are like me, who are like, okay, I don't fit into this extreme and something surfacey, like just eat healthier and work out more. That's not really what I need. I know there's people out there who are looking for the support that I was looking for, and I'm happy. I feel so fulfilled to be able to bring my personal expertise with my personal experience and bring that to my work with my clients and escape from emotional eating. Yeah. Jessica, how do you feel like, what is the difference between cravings and compulsions when we're talking about some of this emotional eating? And, you know, for lots of women who are unsure, am I emotionally eating? Do I have an eating disorder? How do we kind of discern the difference between some of these things? Yeah. Well, it all starts with curiosity and really trying to stay out of judgment because there's so much shame and embarrassment and judgment um, from ourselves and then from society Um, when it comes to our relationship with food. So I always want to encourage everyone to just lean in with curiosity and try to refrain from judgment. That being said, the conventional world will try to qualify, do you have a problem or not, by quantity, right? Like, did you eat 10 bags of potato chips versus one? And I actually really want to encourage everyone to go beyond what you're eating and how much you're eating. And let's really look at the why. Mm -hmm. So one of the things and one of the things I really like to educate people on is the difference between cravings and compulsions because they are very different. Um, So a craving is a strong desire for something. 
where compulsion is an irresistible urge. Mm -hmm. So if you've ever felt powerless, too weak, lacking willpower around food, these are characteristics of compulsions. And when we are feeling these compulsions, what most people will try to do is the only method that they know at the time is they'll try to control it. Mm-hmm. They'll try not buying the foods that they can't keep their hands off of. Um, they'll try other methods of restriction, whether it's a diet or certain types of fasting. Mm-hmm. But controlling and particularly controlling compulsions never really leads to lasting freedom. Instead, controlling just fuels a compulsive cycle. Um, But there's good news because there's another way of working with compulsions, and it's an approach that I take with my clients. And instead of controlling them, we heal them. Yeah. So similarly to what I was talking about before, we want to be curious rather than controlling. Mm -hmm. Um, That way we're able to really start to see our compulsions as valuable information because it's our body and our mind trying to communicate with us um, and start to understand the language of our bodies and what these compulsive compulsions and unhealthy behaviors are trying to tell us Mm -hmm. so that we can go about feeding those needs in a healthier, more integral way than just kind of numbing ourselves with food or pretending like it's not really there. Do you feel like when you're working with women on this, uh, and I love that you were talking about leaning in with curiosity and not judgment and shame, because I think a lot of this is shame-based. Um, when you're working with women on how to heal this and you're looking for like that underlying what's going on underneath that has triggered this compulsion and why you're doing what you're doing, right? And let's heal that. Are we, do you start with let's heal the thing that's underneath that's causing the compulsion or are you, or are you treating the compulsion to the food first like what what comes first the chicken or the egg kind of thing right we we actually um take a back door we don't look at the chicken or the egg we have some like foundational pieces to get put in place before we can even approach like the nucleus of what's happening so One of the first steps that I take with all of my clients is really supporting them in shifting out of stress and anxiety and overwhelm into a more restful, rejuvenated, restorative place within their body. So what this looks like is teaching them tools on how to manage intense intense energy, manage intense emotions, and that's where I'll teach them tools like digesting emotions because when my clients come to me, they're already dealing with so much that we have to start to lighten their load before we can even like approach the real issue that's going on. It's like peeling back layers of the onion. So this first 
um, step we take is what I call building emotional fitness. And it's what cuts through a lot of noise. It's what has my clients go from like feeling chaos to calm. It's where peace, not anxiety, becomes their new normal. And then we can start to get into some of the deeper pieces and start really looking at their relationship with food. But um, if we don't tend to what I call like the emotional and energetic chaos, it just adds to a defense against the healing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it, that this is a really important piece, like this backdoor that you're talking about. And um, when I work with some of the women in the estrangement arena that I uh, that I specialize in who navigate some of these similar issues, this is like the similar advice that I give is you need to be at a place of peace before we can like tackle some of this big stuff right yeah Um, and so like how can we get there so like when you're in the beginning stages of estrangement and it's like the bottom has fallen out and the roof is on fire and like everything is chaos and you are just like at your rock bottom emotionally you just feel broken and isolated and you know whatever are all the feelings that are coming up we need like a moment of rest here. How do we get right. to this? some like moment of rest? Um, and I think like there's lots of different arenas that these um, issues kind of come up in, right? And we can talk about like different issues in motherhood, um, life, whatever, trauma. Um, we have to get to a place of peace and rest before we can shift into some of the heavier work. Right. So I think that that back door, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Yeah. And I also want to say that what we're not saying is wait until life calms down to do the healing work. Um, Because that's what a lot of people will do is they'll be like, oh, let me just wait until my kids are okay. And, you know, my life is in order and all this. And it's like, no, that's actually not how life works. Like life is not calming down. We need to get better at handling it. Chaos. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and there is this quote that I have like plastered all over like my house. And it says, peace is not being, is not about being in a place where there's no noise, chaos, or hard work. It's about being in the midst of it and being calm in your heart. Mm -hmm. And Learning how to do that, to be able to stay in a situation, not numb with food or other vices, but to literally stay in the moment and face what needs to change. That's what we're talking about by like calming as a first step. Um, It's about no longer running away, no longer avoiding, but really turning towards, but turning towards it with like a life vest, <laughs> like, like, right, like a safety net so that you can build the muscles of resilience that will be available to you when we get to the deeper layers and the deeper depths of the healing process. Um, 
it's kind of like, let's just start with this one little area. But of course, there's more steps along the way of like, okay, well, once we take that first step, like, where do we go from there? There's, there's so much more, but it starts with shifting our relationship to stimulation, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, Jessica, when you're working with individuals um, who I guess have like come to the realization that their emotional eating has become this coping mechanism, do you feel like there is, I don't know even like how to word this, like is there like a shame spiral around this? Is there, like what are some of the feelings that are coming up for women that you're working with when they realize this has become unhealthy and it has become self-destructive? Well, everybody's experience is a little bit different. Um, I can speak a little bit from my own experience. And as I shared earlier, um, I really was in denial for a long, long time. And denial that was really fueled by um, a miseducation. Like even going through nutrition school, we didn't talk about emotional eating, which I think is a major miss on that. Um, so, so one of my missions is to just start talking about it. Um, and a lot of people who sense they have issues with food have issues with food. (laughs) I just like to put it like that. Like, you know, you know, then from there comes that, that step of like, okay, I need to accept this Um, and then starting to move towards receiving support. So the people that I work with are people who strive for excellence. They are high achievers and they are the people who will usually wait until they are so beaten down and bruised and breathless to actually even consider the possibility of reaching out for support. So anyone who is listening, if you're like, yes, that's me, I can do it all myself, we can make it easier for you. It doesn't have to be so hard and I do not recommend that you do this alone because there are so many blind spots that happen when like emotional eating is present. Um, It's like you're fighting yourself in the dark. And it's, it's really, it can be really challenging to see all the pieces. But then from there, um, you know, it's been really interesting about my own personal experience. And what was surprising to me, and is something I really share with my clients is um, there was like a grief process going on as I was healing my emotional eating. Um, And I know the people who are listening who need to hear this can really relate, but in changing my relationship with food, I was really surprised by the waves of grief that I had to face and learn how to swim through. Um, Grief because of the habits or patterns, I would no longer be engaging in grief of um, 
really who I was um, as an emotional eater and even fear of the unknown of like, well, what does my day-to-day even look like if I'm not numb? Um, And that's really where the development of these energy management tools like digesting emotions, um, the fear flush is one of them really came to be because I needed to figure out a way to move through the emotions um, when everyone was just telling me, oh, you just have to feel them. You just have to feel your feelings. And I'm like, okay, but like, what's the actual choreography of that? Like, what does that actually look like? Like, do I sit for 20 minutes? Do I sit for three hours? Like, tell me how to do this. And nobody was telling me, like even my own support was like, just feel your feelings. And I'm like, but what does that mean? And that's where I had to create kind of like these baby steps, um, which have now become digesting emotions, fear, flesh, like all the things that we're talking about, um, so that I can be like, okay, like I did my part, I tended to this, and now I can go to work, or I can go about my day and it not plague me or kind of put me on the couch for days on end. Um, So yes, emotions are going to come up before, during, and even after you're already free from emotional eating. It's not about not having the emotions come up, but it's about no longer being afraid when they do and knowing exactly what to do when they do come up so that you're moving through them rather than getting stuck in them or even shutting down and then reverting back to emotional eating or numbing. Oh, Jessica, I just want to like say a huge thank you for normalizing the fear and the grief that come up when we're healing some of our unhealthy coping skills. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I can like raise my hand and some of this walk of life. Um, my unhealth- unhealthy coping skill is not emotional eating. It is over-functioning, over-producing. Mm-hmm. And it feels like an identity shift when you realize what you're doing is unhealthy, when it also has protected you, it has served you, mm-hmm. it, you know, it has like benefited you in some way, right? Like you have survived because you're doing some of these unhelpful th- coping skills, unhealthy right. skills, right? And, you know, so like untangling yourself from some of these things when you're like, but it's working, but, but I am, you know, doing the things, right? But it, but you also notice that some of these things are destructive, right? Where, right. So, so like for me, I'm like overproducing, overfunctioning, overachieving, you know, it has gotten me to really great places. It's gotten me a bachelor's degree and a master's degree while single parenting. It's got me into this entrepreneurship world, you know, and I have a lot of great accomplishments because I'm an overfunctioner and overproducer and whatever, Right. But at the same time, what people don't see behind closed doors is all the 
destruction it has done to me, right? And right. All the overwhelm and all the things that like I'm carrying because I'm over functioning and because I'm not taking those times to rest and because I'm not doing my self-care because I'm not leaning into my support systems, right? And I'm just like taking on everything and don't ask for help for anything. That's not a healthy way to live. But now like leaning into some of those, you know, other parts, it is scary. It is scary doing something differently than you've never done. And that feels very vulnerable. You know, you have to ask for help. You have to talk about it with certain people. Those things do feel scary. And, and I just, I just think that that was such an important part of you mentioning and touching on. So I just want to say thank you for doing that. Um, and I definitely agree. And I love what you're talking about where it's just like, everybody is just like, feel your feelings. I feel like that's social media all the time with everything right now. It's like, uh, and we can put that in like lots of different arenas, like no matter what niche you're following, I think that there's these blanketed kind of, you just need to do this. You just need to do that. Yeah. Not a lot of like practical what the heck does that mean um so when you're working with people who need to detach from some of the emotional eating start feeling their feelings how the heck are you helping people learn how to do that for the first time in their life maybe yeah so that first step of building emotional fitness which we already covered is so imperative But then the after that is where we get into what I call untangling physical hunger from emotional hunger. And this is where we do start to get into some food stuff in like just understanding the language of your body. And this is where it becomes really clear to clients of when they're overeating, when they're emotionally eating. And when are they like actually in integrity with themselves when it comes to food? Mm -hmm. And this part is so nuanced because usually when people come to me, yes, they know they're emotionally eating. But then when we get into like this stage of the program, they're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea what I was doing and how bad it actually is because it's happening multiple times a day. It just becomes so normal. Um, And that's the thing about emotional eating or any unhealthy behaviors with food is they can be so sneaky. They can be so sneaky. Um, It can be so easy to deny or push it off or um, try to hide what we're doing with food. And as we've been talking about, like eventually it's going to catch up to you. So my invitation is let's work on this now before you really enter into some dire straits and some dire situations with your health or with life. Um, So in the untangling emotional hunger from physical hunger is where where we start to separate like what is a healthy relationship with food versus what is unhealthy. And this is going to be very individualized because every person is very different. But then from there, we've really set the stage to get into some of the deeper roots and understand what are these unmet needs? What is your body, your mind, your heart really yearning for? Um, and learning how to feed and nourish and support yourself in filling those needs rather than just taking a shortcut and 
filling yourself with food. Mm -hmm. Um, In this process, so one of the things, one of the characteristics of unhealthy coping with food is that when you're using food in an unhealthy way, there will be one or two ingredients present. One of them is a feeling of powerlessness, meaning, oh, there's nothing I can do about this, so I might as well eat. Um, And there can be a sense of self-silencing, meaning don't say anything about it, just take it in, shut it down, you know, stay quiet, try not to ruffle anyone's feathers. So the powerlessness and the self-silencing are really two core components that keep any unhealthy coping mechanism thriving. And in my work, we really look at these aspects and how is it showing up for each client and then supporting them in reclaiming their power and also really using their voice, both their inner voice when it comes to talking to themselves and then using their outer voice in how do we have conversations with others, particularly in different scenarios and difficult situations. So one of the best ways to to kind of describe this process is to tell you a short story um, about a client of mine. Mm-hmm. She's um, the top of her field. She's a surgeon. And she came to me saying, I eat when I'm frustrated and I'm frustrated when I eat. Yeah. And I was like, great, you're in the right place. <laughs> So we started working together and healing her emotional eating. And now it's been four and a half years since she has emotionally eaten or used used food in a compulsive way. And she said to me just recently, she's like, I'm not just living. I'm living a life I love. And it's so beautiful to continue to work with her and hear how her freedom is paying off and paying forward. So one example is um, that she started an organization that trains ER doctors on how to identify victims of sex trafficking. And she was like, there is no way I would have the time, the space, or the energy to do this work if it weren't for us healing my relationship with food, because my relationship with food was just sucking so much of my energy and so much of my life force. She was like, I wouldn't have had the time and the space for it. So now being able to be free from emotional eating, she's able to pass it on and help others. And that's just her own individual way. Um, But for someone who's a mom, it can look like supporting your kids and having a healthy relationship with food or even a healthy relationship with their emotions and learning how to emotionally self-regulate. There's so many ways that healing our relationship with food supports us in fully showing up in life. And I think that's really what our world needs now more than ever. Because emotional eating, when we're doing that, we're not fully present. We're not fully present with ourselves. We're not fully present with life. Um, We're hiding is what we're doing. So healing emotional eating helps us show up fully 
in our full authentic self so that we can make changes that need to be made because I think we can all look around and see like it's time for things to change in our world, in our life, but it starts with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. I love what you were saying about um, some of like, I guess I the question that I want to ask is about some of the roots of some of this emotional eating. And do you feel like they come from our early years? Do they come from unhealthy relationships? When you were talking about, um, oh my gosh, what were you just talking about? Um, when you were talking about some of these ways that we're using food to shut down um, when we're feeling when we're feeling like self-silence, self-silence. Right. Mm-hmm. And like some of that stuff, when you were talking about that stuff, it was really like a lo- bringing a lot of stuff true as I'm working with some of the clients that I'm working with who are healing from childhood wounding mm-hmm. where it was like, Oh, don't speak up. Don't say that. Like shut that down. Right. Mm-hmm. And I could just like see like this, like, very clear parallel, right? Where we come from some of these dysfunctional family systems where it was not safe to speak up. It was not safe to um, have a voice. It was not safe to rock the boat. You were trying to keep the peace, right? Maybe you had to manage other people's emotions over your own. Mm -hmm. And, And so like to me, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like it makes so much sense, right? When you're talking about why people are using emotional eating as a coping skill when they've come from certain dynamics. Is that what you're seeing as the root of emotional eating or are there lots and it's very nuanced per person? It's very nuanced. I would say that a lot of people who emotionally eat and I'll say myself included, have been specifically trained, whether it's in childhood or even adulthood, to shut ourselves down. Um, And for anyone who's listening, who's like, yes, I was told, suck it up, shut it down. Don't do that here. Go cry in your room. Don't let anyone see you cry. Mm -hmm. Um, What I want to say to those people who are like, yes, I have this in my past. I have this in my history. Um, is that even though it's in our past, it doesn't have to be in our future. And we get to choose to change that. Even if you don't know how at this very second. And I think that's, you know, a lot of the work that you do, Abby, it's a lot of the work that I do is like, yes, even though I've been an emotional eater for 20 years. Mm -hmm. I'm going to choose to change this. And that was a point I had to come to in my relationship with food. That's a point that my clients come to of like, I've done this and I don't want to do it anymore. And I'm going to devote my time, energy, and resources to making a change. Um, so even though it's part of our past in whatever form, because everybody's ways will be a little bit different, um, we do have that choice to not bring it into the future. Then from there, what I'll offer is like, if you're like, yes, I don't want to carry this forward, um, 
one of the phrases that I use whenever I'm looking to change a pattern is that's not me anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. So if someone's like, Hey, do you want to like do this or do that? I'm like, no, you know, that's not really me anymore. Mm-hmm. And that just helps me, number one, step into the new version of myself, but it also notifies the other person of like, no, I've changed my mind. Like, even though we used to do that thing, I don't really want to do it anymore. Um, so using that phrase of no, that's not me anymore can also start to create a new chapter. And then from there, um, you're able to get the support to change. One other thing I'll say about um, like the past and past trauma is there's, from what I've understood and from what I understand, I believe this is the research of Tara Brock, but um, that there's two types of trauma, meaning there's like trauma with a big T that mm-hmm. happens in like really big, powerful mm-hmm. ways. Yep. But then there's this thing called socialized trauma, which is where you've been trained to go against yourself in mm-hmm. order to fit in. That can, where someone can look back and be like, oh, but I had a good childhood or, oh, I didn't have any issues but we can still be trained to go against ourselves. And if we are women, this is like baked into our society as women is like, don't listen to yourself, defer your needs, defer your hopes, defer your dreams. And then don't tell anyone if you're unhappy about it. (laughs) So it's like we as women have so much socialized trauma of like, learning to go against ourselves. So emotional eating isn't just reserved for people who have hard times. Yeah. It can be something that we even learn in adulthood. But what matters more than where we picked it up is are you going to choose to change it going forward? That's what is in our power today. And that is a conscious choice I invite everyone to make. Jessica, the work that you are doing is so important, and I just want to thank you for empowering these women and helping them find their voice. Um, Can you tell my listeners where they can find you? Yes. So you can find me over at escapefromemotionaleating.com. And since we did talk a lot about kind of peeling back the layers of emotional eating, there is a free resource on on my website, you can go to innerwork.me and there's a free quiz that'll help you identify which of the four roots of emotional eating is activated for you. You'll also get a beginner's guide of how to work with the results of that quiz. And when you take the quiz, you'll notice that it has nothing to do with food because Emotional eating is simply a symptom of something deeper going on, and the quiz is a great place to start peeling back those layers, especially after we've had this conversation. So those resources are over at innerwork.me. Perfect. I will be linking all of those in the description of this podcast. Make sure that you go find Jessica and check out all of her amazing resources Jessica, thank you again so much for this conversation and helping me support you, the mother.